Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Speaking of dreadful time at Liverpool, uh, why did you all decide before Benteke came that you didn't like him? Benteke was a bit of a strange one because he always did so well against us. And yeah. When, and, and so you always, you always felt like you left the ground saying, fucking hell, Benteke, some player. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. The only request I have for people who have only watched Jack Grealish in the last two seasons is is that you just admit that. Like I'm I'm just so fed up with listening to people talk about how Grealish has gotten really good or gotten much better in the last two seasons or the last eighteen months. No, you have just started watching him for the last eighteen months and two, and that's fine. Like that is absolutely fine, but. But just say that, just say to be honest, I didn't watch much of Villa before. Now I'm watching him and Grealish is very good. He's 25. We've been shiting on about him for six years. He has been class for six years. Go back, like, I remember the 2015 semi-final against Liverpool. The reason I remember that, it wasn't because Jack Grealish came of age. It was because finally everybody started realising what we were talking about. This was May or April. Of 2015, Jack Grealish ripped Liverpool apart at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final. And finally, everybody was getting to see what we were all talking about. Yes, this boy is brilliant. Then Martin O'Neill, who was in charge of Ireland at the time, started freaking out and thinking, shit, why have I not been capping this boy? He's been playing with the under-21s all this time. And I've been playing Glenn fucking Whelan. No, like Jack Grealish is good. Get him in. It was too late then. Everybody realised he was good. Jack Grealish realised how good he was. Then he switched to England. Um, happy for him because he's, he's English and he's, he's better than the level of Ireland. But So this is 2015 that I finally thought this talk was over. And then you fast forward another five years. What's happened in between? Jack Grealish has been amazing playing on a really bad team. Somebody described him there recently on uh, second captains as they thought he was just an AstroTurf player 
you know, who did some nice things, but ultimately didn't really, you know, contribute. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, th- th- you're just, again, admitting that you haven't seen him. And yet again, that is okay. But just say that. Stop making up stuff. So I just feel like I need to get that out. And I know we're talking about this over and over and over, but I feel like I can't even enjoy Jack Grealish's rise. And I, I can't even enjoy people finally realizing how good he is because there's this new fake narrative out there that he's only been good for the last 18 months he has not he's always been brilliant that's what we've been crying about for so long Liam Conan what can I say <laughs> I agree uh and the other thing is as well it's yeah it is fine to have not watched Villa particularly because they were in the championship being managed by Steve Bruce so it's absolutely <laughs> fine to not have seen that but the other thing is as well, that just tells you how good Jack Grealish was. He was absolutely brilliant in the championship, playing midfield for a Steve Bruce team. Like, like if, if, that, if that doesn't make you think, geez, this boy's got something about him, I don't know what will. Like, Jack Grealish was not County's best player when he was 17. Jack Grealish has been brilliant since he's been a professional footballer. Like, and this is it. Like we we we've been excited about him since he was a teenager. You mentioned Nas County. That that's actually a really good example. This is why everybody was so enthused about Jack Grealish. Then when he came in, he was brilliant, and he was brilliant under all those managers who were trying out so many different things. And I'm talking Tim Sherwood. I'm talking Remy Gard. I'm talking Steve Bruce. Yeah. And then suddenly out of nowhere, this was the amazing thing. The real anomaly about Steve Bruce is that he was playing this dire, fearful football, and yet. He stumbled across Jack Grealish, Connor Hurahan, and John McGinn in centre midfield. And I was like, how the fuck did Steve Bruce land on this? But but he did. And it released Jack it, it released Jack Grealish. He started showing us his best. Wasn't enough to stop Steve Bruce getting sacked, but it was enough for when Dean Smith came in that they were going to drag him through then after Jack Grealish came back from injury to help Villa win 10 games in a row. Like, how, how does nobody even remember that? Again, even if you haven't watched him, like, just, just put that stat into your head. Villa were mid-table, just petering to a halt for that season. Like, Smith had come in midway through. Greenish came back. They had to win 10 games in a row to get into the playoffs. And that's what they did, because Jack Grealish came back. They won the playoffs, then he kept them. Like, so there's another season you can add on, even just take that at least. You can say he's been brilliant for the last three years. Like, that would be a little bit better. But anyway, um, we've got... Craig from the Anfield Rap coming on. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about Jack Grealish. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't get too excited. We don't want Liverpool <laughs> sniffing around them next year. <laughs> well, this is it. I was chatting to my friend Steve about uh, you know the Liverpool Villa crossover, and then he was like, "Oh, it'd be interesting to see like what happened to Villa after Benteke left." And I was like, "We got relegated, mate. That's, <laughs> That's literally what happened. We we got we brought in Gisted instead of Benteke and got relegated." Um, Benteke obviously didn't hit the heights and that, that Sherwood and me thought he would hit Real Madrid I think he was talking about um, but we got them coming on there's a lot of crossover don't get them too excited is right one more thing I wanted to talk about we're, we're chatting Liverpool here Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola look like they're teaming up now they're they're both in charge. They're both brilliant managers. They both have a lot of authority and respect. They're in charge of the two best clubs in England, probably Europe. Well, close anyway. Um, and you could see them at the end of their, their match there on Sunday. The two of them just chatting because their game was 
it just sort of died out. It was a, it was a great start, and then I, I don't know where both teams tired or whatever. It's different to the like of Arsenal, who can change their team around in Europa League, but they're playing Champions League, so they need their best team playing. And they're going week on week, or they're going twice a week, like every week, and then they're going into internationals, which are all squashed in as well. It, it is mad, and those two are crying about having five subs, bringing that back. Obviously, that doesn't suit anybody. John McGinn made a great point last year about how the the best teams obviously won five subs because they can just empty their bench. Was it Chelsea who Villa were all over and then they just brought on five subs and, and yeah. turned the game for them? Um, yeah, this is a really annoying thing. And I'm really worried because every other club, every other league in Europe are doing five subs because of the, the nature of the condensed season. And I think it might come in. And I think everybody else in the league outside of Liverpool and City and, I don't know, maybe Chelsea and United should be railing against it. Yeah, I mean... You touched on some of the things there. This this argument is particularly galling because it's being driven by Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola, who's who's the manager of the financially doped Manchester City, <laughs> a club that's backed by the 30th richest country in the world. <laughs> now, Pep Guardiola has two 30 to 60 million pound players in every position. His second choice, second choice, back four, cost 200 million pounds sterling of real money. I mean, if... If Pep Guardiola is concerned about player welfare, there's no manager in world football in a better position to protect his players. It's so easy for Pep Guardiola to retrieve his players. Pep Guardiola has to choose between Mares, Silva, Foden, Torres, Gundogan for two positions. Silva and Sa- da- David Silva and Sani were there last year. Like, this is a man who had the luxury of dropping one of the Premier League's greatest ever strikers, Man City's record goal scorer, just so he could teach him a lesson about running. <laughs> the answer to Pep Guardiola's concerns about player welfare are to rotate his team. If he thinks giving two extra players a rest of between five to thirty minutes every four days is going to protect them, he's delusional. And just one other thing, if he does think that, then you would imagine he'd be using his free subs, don't you? Yeah. Pep Guardiola made one change against Liverpool. Liverpool made two two changes. Pep Guardiola made two changes against Sheffield United, three against Sheffield West, or West Ham, fair enough, but two against Arsenal. I mean, he could have killed Raheem Sterling, making him play that full 90 minutes. When he had, <laughs> when he had on, in his own words, the best player he's ever coached on the bench. So one of the arguments is that, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is now injured. Look, look, there you go. Trent's injured, but he's playing too many games. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, what game is Trent Alexander-Arnold going to be taken off in? It's, it's not going to be against fucking Man City anyway. And it's not going to be before the 55th minute. Like Trent Alexander-Arnold's playing every minute of that game. He also plays every minute for Liverpool anyway, in any season. You're not taking off your fullbacks because you've got five subs. And if you are taking them off, you're taking them off in piss-easy games where Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't running much because he doesn't have to. Yeah. Like, you're taking him off in a 3-0 game or a 4-0 game what's the point of that? Like he, like he might as well just warm down for the rest of the game. Well, one of the arguments that I heard, and it was obviously very stupid, it was like, this this is in the interest of the weaker teams as well. This isn't just to serve the teams of the big squad because Burnley or Aston Villa, they, they can't afford for one of their better players to be injured. You know, so the five subs will obviously guard against it. Again, Burnley or Aston Villa aren't taking off one of their better players because they've got five subs. Burnley and Aston Villa are playing one game every seven or eight days at the minute and then it's going into an international break. 
this is fine for everybody else outside of Liverpool and Man City. And as you say, this is fine for Liverpool and Man City because they have by far the better squads. By far, and better teams on top of that. Like, you don't, don't worry about that. When they get on top, they can take players off and rest them like they normally do. This is, um, it's, it's such a misnomer trying to, trying to paint this that it's good for everybody else as well. This, this would be terrible for Villa. Like, you know, imagine the, the Liverpool match where they can bring on five subs when Villa won 7 2. You imagine the Arsenal match where they can bring on five subs. Villa probably still win that because they're a better team than they were last year. But, Things get harder, things get changed. Villa made one sub against Arsenal away in the 88th minute. Their, their right attacking midfielder. That was the one sub that they made. And it, like, they didn't need to make it. He probably just felt like he needed to throw somebody on. But he didn't need to make that sub in the 88th minute. Villa don't want to make any subs because they can't afford to. Well, exactly. I mean, if you assume the goalkeeper isn't going to be changed, Villa's fifth fifth best player on the bench was Marvellous Nakamba. You know, like... <laughs> Like Villa don't want to be making that change in any game. Like, like the the idea that Villa would be served well by taking off Jack Grealish because he's their best player and they need to protect him. Villa's games are going to be in the balance most of the time. They need Jack Grealish on the pitch as much as possible. And the, the, the way to do that isn't to protect him by taking him off. It's by keeping him on the pitch. <laughs> it's like that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sort of argument where he talks about you know, forgetting about the, the Leipzig match because that'll take care of itself. We have to look at Arsenal so we can qualify for the Champions League next year. It's like, take Grealish off so we can have a better result next week. It's like, well, what about this result this week? Like, what was the point in getting into the Premier League in the first place? Exactly. Anyway, thanks very much, Liam. We've got Craig coming up next. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real... He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like One of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not, it's not, he's not that type of player. Is that any game? Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the the key line is that we're we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though. Really go through you, don't they? Dublin, you're now the closest capital to the Premier League champions. So red, a fucking massive billboard in the middle of Ireland's capital. And this has caused a shitstorm. So I've got Craig Hannon from the brilliant The Avonfield Rap, Taw, as you call it, um, on to explain yourself, Craig. 
like I saw a tweet from Rob O'Hanrahan, who I used to work with, and he put it out with the caption, "What is this? Can you tell me what the fuck is this doing in the middle of Dublin?" Um, well, there's six of them. Uh, there was six <laughs> of them. Um, we, uh, the Anfield Raps, a, a Liverpool FC podcast, and um, we're we're based in Liverpool. And last season, we we did the Trent Alexander Arnold mural, and that was to that was a, a landmark beside the stadium for fans, you know, from all over. I'm from just outside Belfast, and um, we did that because we wanted it to be something that was for the city of Liverpool, but for you know fans from all over to be able to travel over and see, and. This season, we wanted to do something, obviously, because Liverpool had won the uh, the Premier League. But um, we knew that it was a bit more difficult because of the pandemic and because we knew that people couldn't travel. Uh, you know, we knew that fans from all over would have travelled to to do a parade or to come to a parade in Liverpool and, um, and they weren't able to and that was sort of stolen from them. So we wanted to do something uh, in, in cities around the UK um, where well where our subscribers asked us to come to so we first did one in belfast and we started in belfast with a with a build a massive billboard and that said belfast reds and you waited 30 years for liverpool to be champions at us now and at us now in belfast yeah um or or uh, up north means that's us now which basically means you know we've arrived it's a well-known sort of colloquialism um and it went down really really well I mean, there were the odd sort of United fans. There's a few Cliftonville fans. You know, it, it annoyed some people, but that's never sort of the intention. The intention's always been to sort of celebrate this Liverpool side and, and to bring like a little bit of the celebration to, to fans outside of Liverpool, really, because, as I said, the, the parade and the celebrations in the normal way got taken away. Um, and then we asked our listeners, our subscribers, where to go next and... Um, the the obvious the obvious one next was Dublin. We had loads of uh, requests for Dublin. So then, um, a few weeks back, we we um, did the billboards in Dublin. Um, and I mean, there's been the 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 whole idea was that obviously Dublin's a bit of a sister city to Liverpool. There's um you know there's there's links throughout Liverpool's history. You know you'll you'll do well to meet a scouser that doesn't have links back to Ireland. And I think Jurgen Klopp said recently this week that. Um, Scousers are Irish men that were able to swim, um, which I loved. So um, there's obviously the links there, and there's obviously a massive fan base in in uh, throughout the whole of Ireland, but uh, in Belfast and and, and Dublin. So um, yeah, we went to Dublin next. We did it. To be honest, the the the, the billboards they they sort of went viral about three weeks ago, and and you know Liverpool fans were meet up with it. We were getting social media pictures. Uh, and us tagged in them. It was going, it was going swimmingly. Everyone was enjoying it. And then, um, and then, yeah, some people who aren't Liverpool fans, some journalists um, back in Ireland have, have been posting about it this week. They've sort of cottoned on to it, and and they haven't been too happy about it. And um, yeah, that's it. That that's it. All I would say is that we 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 did billboards that that were for Liverpool fans to get a little bit excited about. And it's uh, you know, it isn't our intention to. Um, to annoy anyone, but equally, it is yeah. quite nice to remind everyone uh, that Liverpool are Premier League champions. And we did the same in, in London. We did the same throughout Liverpool. Um, we had a billboard by Anfield, um, uh, and and yeah, it's just meant to be a big celebration for Liverpool fans. And seemingly, some people who aren't Liverpool fans have um, have have not enjoyed it in the way that the Liverpool fans did. Yeah, and can I just say you're you're perfectly entitled to buy billboard space. It's funny, like the the reaction as if you've just planted something on top of the Aviva Stadium or something like that. It's like the the one in Belfast that you mentioned is class as well. But I I feel like as a as a non Liverpool fan, I've got a duty now to represent these people who have been rattled. 
So on the show, we've got this section called WhatsApp Winges, which is basically, it's me in real time, just like, you know, the, the thoughts, the irrational thoughts I have during a, during a match that I would never say. It's actually a way of saying those things, you know, but yeah. dressing it under this thing. So I'm going to give you some of the, I suppose, the Twitter whinges that, that <laughs> came off the back of this, and yes. you can just give me your reaction back. Brilliant. So obviously the, the capture, if anybody hasn't seen it yet, go look at it, it's, it's brilliant. But Dublin, you're now the closest capital to the Premier League champions. The first one I have for you, Craig, is as the crow flies, maybe, but doubtful on a le- legit route of travel. <laughs> yeah, so that's um. There's been some people that have said Douglas and the yeah. Man is 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 closer. Um, what I would say is the whole campaign has been the the campaign's been called the Feel Closer campaign. So the whole idea has been that um, like what the Anfield Rap does is is bring fans sort of closer to the city of Liverpool and um try and champion the people the the people of the city that and and obviously the football team but the city itself as well um and that's something that we've always done and that's that's something that fans from sort of all over have said that we make them feel sort of closer to everything that's going on and so um you know the the when we when we went for dublin dublin was one of the first uh, ideas we knew that subscribers would request it but um we knew that they would request it because of the closeness and it's not in proximity. It's like closeness in terms of the relationship between the two cities. Um, so that's what I would say in terms of, uh, there's been a few other people that have mentioned Cardiff as well as being uh, a mile closer. But when we did it, we did it from our office to uh, the Dublin supporters club and not mm. town hall to town hall, which is just like a mad way for us to, that would be a <laughs> mad way for us to, 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 to look at it. But um yeah, I'm 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 all right with I'm all right with that winch. Um, but what we'd say is it's as much about the relationship as the as the actual distance. So that winch is debunked. Here's here's one. I, I don't know I don't know what you can really say about this one, but it's funny. Um, it was also true when City were champions, but I wouldn't expect Liverpool fans to have a grip on reality. <laughs> I don't know what that Again. means. Again, you know, I've, I I enjoy those tweets um, because that is that's someone shouting at a uh, a bird app uh, in Twitter <laughs> about about some about an advert that's not for them. Um, I, look, what my sort of advice to 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 other fans really would be just don't let it annoy you too much because I mean that is part of the part of the the joy in all of this has obviously been like the the fact that Liverpool fans have got so excited about it but also the fact that uh, we know that Man United fans of which there are many in Dublin will have been on their commute or or been walking by and been reminded by that little billboard that they've seen in in Dublin that uh that Liverpool are Premier League champions so <laughs> they've, they've just they've just sort of um alerted us to that fact and and that's made it all the better <laughs> well I'll give you the last one I, I think this one is brilliant this sums up Twitter and just sort of what you're saying a podcast being able to shell out a few bob for billboard advertising is good and all, but this ad is only going to appeal to Liverpool supporters. <laughs> yeah. Liverpool FC podcast in Liverpool only <laughs> appeals to Liverpool supporters with an ad. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he is right. Um, <laughs> he, he is absolutely right on that fact, and and I'm glad that we've got to that point because that was the whole premise of it. It, it was to <laughs> for Liverpool fans to get excited about, for us to bring a little bit of the celebrations to them, and um, and and podcast being able to buy ad space. Um, I mean, one of the 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 whole points of all of this is uh, like on a more sort of strategic marketing level was that we knew that there's lockdowns and we knew that. Um, we knew that there's going to be sort of less footfall and so we also knew that the outdoor advertising would be a lot cheaper and so it means that a podcast like ourselves are able to able to do something like this because we knew that um, you know we knew that that, that 
thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of Liverpool fans aren't going to see this um, this billboard by walking past it, but hundreds hundreds of thousands of Liverpool fans are going to see the billboards by um, the, the the tweets and the, and the pictures yeah. that are shared on social media. So. Um, you know the, the 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 cheaper prices on on advertising has meant that we're able to do it, at knowing that the the spread would be on um would be online as opposed to um actual footfall in the in each of the cities. And the same was for I mentioned London. We did one in London that said um uh, London, you are now uh, you are now two hundred and twenty miles from the champions. And that was a <laughs> bit more of a bit needly. Yeah. Um, uh, we we had one at Liverpool Street Station in London that said um, Liverpool Street Station, but Sh- Street Station um, scored out, and then it said champions everywhere. And again, that's on the same theme as as the the Dublin and the Belfast one, like the idea of inclusivity, the idea that it's not just this thing that belongs to. Um, Liverpool that it belongs to uh, Liverpool fans all over the world and that's why we wanted to do something in Dublin that's why we wanted to do something in in, um, in Belfast and in London because we know there's loads of Liverpool fans there so yeah that is, look, opposition fans shouldn't worry too much about it it's it's you know it's a bit of a laugh and it's football fans being football fans and and them trying to celebrate winning a league title the first in 30 years in their own little way. Ah, it's absolutely brilliant. More, more power to you. But let's let's get on to um, even more serious matters. I, I want to talk about uh, Gareth Barry, right? So there's there's still someone that's sensitive in me because Gareth Barry was my favourite ever player until Jack Grealish came along. Um, like Liverpool fans' attitude towards him, I think, was always a little bit tainted because of Rafa's decision to try and move on Xabi Alonso. So I think because of that. Barry never got the respect he deserved. I've always thought he was a bit underappreciated with Liverpool, and I, or Liverpool fans, and I was always hoping that he wouldn't go there. How do you how do you see that whole saga? I I, I always liked Gareth Barry. I think um, I think I probably appreciated him more once he'd moved to City. To be completely honest, and I think that was because I I lived at university. I lived with two City season ticket holders, uh, and they loved him. And and so I suppose that was probably one of the main reasons because that was around the time that um, that City had sort of you know began to to have their billions and they they were able to sort of sign Gareth Barry. But um, it, it was a strange one at the time because at the time that Rafa was trying to buy him, um, Liverpool fans didn't want to lose Xabi Alonso. Yeah. So um, it was almost like a a one for one deal that if you if we got Gareth Barry, then we'd have to lose Alonso. And at that time, Liverpool just didn't have the finances that they do. Um, at the moment, I suppose because of TV, um, and they they couldn't compete at that time with the likes of of uh, United, the Cities, the Chelseas, um, so so it was a it it was a strange sort of um, uh, relationship that we had with Gareth Barry, and that it was a. It was Alonso or Barry deal, and <laughs> we want, we loved Alonso. Alonso had won the European Cup for us. Um, you know, he 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 was a brilliant signing for us, and we didn't want to lose him. So, um, if you'd have said to me at the time that you get to keep Xabi Alonso, and we also have Gareth Barry, I'd be thinking that's brilliant. Well, our mid our midfield three um, can be Barry, Alonso, um, Gerard. I think we signed Mascherano just sort of six months um, mm. later. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think he was a great player, Gareth Barry, and I think that um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think he's probably maybe a little bit underappreciated by everyone. Yeah. Um, actually, just because, um, well, I'm not sure why. Whether it was because he um, he was moved around a little, because I know he, he comes through at left back at Villa, doesn't he? And then he plays more centre midfield with um, 
with 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 City, but um, I always liked them. I always liked them as a football player. I would always have welcomed them to Liverpool, but just not at the expense of Xavi Alonso. <laughs> that's fair. Like that's fair. I wouldn't want to lose Xavi Alonso either for Gareth Barry. In fairness, but um, yeah, he came through at left back. He actually played then in the back three at centre back, and then he went to left wing for a lot of his career. And then Martin O'Neill came in and played him centre midfield, and he was brilliant then for a few years centre midfield. And that was another thing that always like sort of um, triggered me with uh, Rafa because I think he ended up buying Riera instead of Barry and I was like whoa whoa hang on a second how did that happen because like Benitez had talked a few times or since about Barry also being a left winger and a left back and I was like Jesus thank god he didn't go there like he had to be centre midfield at that stage yeah I think I think Benitez sort of Benitez had was Liverpool were cash trapped at that time like we just didn't have the money and so it was as I said we had the we would have had to have sold Alonso but also Benitez probably would have been thinking well there's a footballer that I can use in three different positions instead yeah. of just the, the one uh, and I know City mostly use him in centre midfield and he does brilliantly there um, but yeah it would have been interesting to see how it all would have turned out for Garth Barry yeah. and for you know Xabi Alonso leaves Liverpool I think a year later because of all of this so we lose him anyway yeah um, which is which is interesting in itself and we and, and, and another thing then we we signed Alberto Aquilani um to replace him and he was he was sort of injury ravaged and yeah. and at a dreadful time uh, at Liverpool. He ends up sort of going out on loads of loan spells. So it might have worked out better had Liverpool signed uh, Garth Barry, which is quite funny to sort of think about now. So speaking of dreadful time at Liverpool, uh, why did you all decide before Benteke came that you didn't like him? And like whilst he was there as well, it was just like I thought he was doing all right. But like I, th- I thought, like I-, I always compare it to the Andy Carroll thing. I felt like there was a bit of um, a bit of togetherness with the Andy Carroll thing, where people were rooting for him and they wanted him to do well. With Benteke, it was like they were just looking for any evidence that this guy wasn't wasn't up to it. Yeah, Ben Benteke was a bit of a strange one because he always did so well against us. And yeah. When <laughs> and and so you always you always felt like you left the ground. Saying fucking hell, Benteke, some player, <laughs> and 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 then whenever we get him, um, Liverpool at that time were going through a difficult period, and that um, we'd come so close to winning the league, um, in in thirteen fourteen, and then the season after that, we were just you know we were you know we were dreadful, we were awful, um, and Gerard was leaving, and that summer there was a bit of um. There was a bit. There were some problems in the boardroom and um, within the transfer committee, and that Brendan Rodgers wanted to sign particular players, and the transfer committee wanted to sign uh, uh, particular players, and there was a disconnect there. Um, Benteke was a, a Rodgers signing. Firmino was a um, a transfer committee signing. Um, Milner, we're not too sure, but that was all the same sort of summer. And when you look at those those signings that summer, Joe Gomez, um, Milner, Firmino, Benteke. Like that's a that's that's a really good summer, uh, and I think we were all we were all quite excited by Benteke um, at the time. Um, on the whole, anyway, I think our only worry was really didn't feel like a Rogers signing, even though Rogers was signing him, which is very strange. The way that Rogers played uh, and and what he asked of his forwards, it didn't feel like Benteke really was that. So it felt to Liverpool fans like we were signing this great player, but. And we were we were either going to ask him to play in a different way, or we were going to play in a different way, which sort of went against everything that Rogers was was about. Um, and so that's where the that's where the the sort of questions. It was more so about the it was more the the timing of the the transfer and the situation that surrounded Liverpool for Benteke, I'd imagine, because um, Jurgen Klopp comes in three months later, and 
Um, at the time, I remember Jurgen Klopp had said that when he was at Dortmund, he had looked at Benteke and he was interested in him. So everyone yeah. was thinking, all right, this might be a new sort of start for him. Um, you know, the, the Klopp obviously likes him if he was looking at him at that time. Um, and in Klopp's first win against Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge, Benteke comes off the bench and scores. Yeah. And he was brilliant when he came on. And everyone was like, right, here we go. This is, this is going to be the, 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 the start for Benteke. And, it just didn't. It just didn't happen for him. It. 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 You know. We just saw it sort of. You know, spiral to really. He was getting nothing. I remember him being brought on in the left wing and stuff against Leicester, and just. It just. You could just tell that it just wasn't going to work, and that Klopp. He wasn't doing what Klopp wanted him to do, and and it just wasn't going to work for anyone. And it's sad to sort of see what's what's happened to him since, isn't it? Really. Oh, stop. Like, because I remember Tim Sherwood had a quote. Now, I should never have been back in that horse, but uh, he, when he was Villa manager and Rodgers was sniffing around, I think Rodgers and Sherwood are, were friends. And, and he said, I told Benteke, hold out for Real Madrid because that's how good you are. And genuinely, I was like, yeah, like this guy's got it all. Like, and I always like, I hated the accusation that he was one dimensional because he was like, he, he had to do everything for Villa because. Villa needed him to do everything so it wasn't just a hit it into his head sort of thing and yeah I was thinking right he, he could go further than that Liverpool at the time but then when he left like Villa got relegated straight away as well and then I thought right all right Liverpool have undervalued him and in fairness when Klopp came in maybe he was looking at him at Dortmund but then suddenly he's got Firmino and it's like actually yeah I, I like this guy <laughs> you know yeah. but um, I stopped and take you then with like you know, I thought it might be an Everton level, like maybe Spurs or something like that, and they'd rebuild from there. But Jesus, he's just on the bench now for Palace and just disappearing. Just can't, just can't buy a goal, and and it's 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 crazy to sort of see that having the striker that just looks so good. He just looked, he was unstoppable in his day for Villa, and he was unstoppable at times against us. Like there was a, there was a while where Villa had a decent record against Liverpool mm. at Anfield. I remember, I think it was under Lambert, uh, or it continued under yeah. Lambert. Benteke was definitely uh, involved in some of that, and. Um, I think I think it, it was interesting that that in that game that I talked about where Ben Teke come off the bench uh, during Klopp's first win that that was the first game where um, Firmino was played in the striker role and Firmino was a number ten when we signed him um, and so I remember that day thinking God what's it like what's he up to here Firmino is the almost like a false nine but like Firmino since then for us has sort of like redefined what that position is for yeah. Liverpool in terms of a number nine and it's gone well and you can see now that. Ben, the way Liverpool have played since then, that Ben Teggy would never have worked in those three. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, it's sad to sort of see the, you know, how his careers went since then. Because, like, he had everything. He had, like, pace and power, and he, he was great in the air. But there was also finesse about him, wasn't yeah. there, in terms of, like, it, it wasn't just a big man that was, you know, that dead powerful. He was powerful. But, um, you know, he had a brilliant touch, and, and, and he, he could, you know, he, he knew where the net was. And, um yeah, I was I was excited whenever we signed them. It just didn't work out. Yeah, so we we were just chatting earlier there about um, Jack Grealish on the podcast, and I was warned not to not to talk him up too much to you because we don't want Liverpool sniffing around him again. Um, but like, is is Jack Grealish for Villa what Steven Gerrard was for Liverpool in mid two thousands? I think so. Um, I really like Jack Grealish. I was so surprised that no one went for him in the summer or no one got him in the summer. Um, and in, in a way, I'm glad that he stayed at Villa because 
Um, you know, I, 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 have, I think as football fans, we have like, we have a loyalty to our football side and we sort of can't understand when, you know, someone from the city or someone who's grown up as a, a, as a fan of that club and gets to play for them and live out all of our dreams, then they, you know, they, they piss off at the first opportunity. And obviously Jack Grealish didn't do that. He stuck with you whenever you went down, he, he's got you back up and, um, and, and he's, and, and you have stayed up and, um, I just think he's. I think he's brilliant. I really do. He was brilliant against us. Like I've just realised, I might just be on this, so you can talk about the uh, the result of Villa Park and, uh, <laughs> and, and like I know what you've done here. I've just cottoned <laughs> on to it, but he he was incredible that night. And um, I think the I think from the outside, from uh, uh, you know, thinking from with my Liverpool hat on, I think from the outside, maybe the only thing really is whether. Um, you know what what he's like in the back what he's like in 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 normal life in terms of like he's got into trouble quite a few times and in, including during the lockdown and um whether he has that sort of mentality that you know Jurgen Klopp is just so no nonsense with 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 anything like that it's you know it's either you fit in or you you fuck off basically yeah. and um and with Jack Grealish I'm just not sure that um he's shown much maturity throughout his time but then you see him on the football pitch and he's just he's got all of the maturity you see him with a captain's armband and um and he's you know he's driving that team I think Ross Barkley's a brilliant signing alongside him as well um because um you know I was surprised there weren't more, more people after Barkley as well because even though he's played for Everton he was brilliant for them in 13-14 and um, and obviously it doesn't quite work out against Chelsea. He scores against us last season. Uh, yeah. I think he got one in the 7-2 this season. I, c- I can't bloody remember who <laughs> He got a deflection in the 7-2. Yeah, that was his debut. Yeah, of course he did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can see the comparisons with with um, with Gerrard and Grealish. And I think, um, I just think that the, with the Liverpool game in particular, like we just didn't have a plan for Grealish. And when you come up against Villa, you need a plan for Grealish. You almost, that's, that's how good he is and that's how good I think he is now. Um, and we just didn't seem to have that. He just seemed to be having loads of fun on the left-hand side against us and, and we couldn't deal with it at all. I mean, we couldn't deal with anything that night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but I'm, but like I said earlier, I'm, I'm just made up the, the state of Villa because as a football fan, you just like to see that. It's a nice story. You know, a, a, a lad who's grown up, or he comes from Birmingham, Villa fan, up through the youth system and then, um, and then stays. I, I'd like to know what your um, feelings are on Jack Grealish with the, the whole Ireland thing as well. Is that like a bit of a, uh, a difficult no? Do you know that I'm like the the only person in Ireland who is absolutely obsessed with this man for for the last <laughs> for the last five years? Well, Liam is in fairness as well, but um, like in a way, it was almost. <laughs> it just sounds terrible. I was like happy for him that he's like, oh, you're gonna get a chance to play with England now. That's where he's from, basically. And I always use the example of, you know, the like, sure you like as a Northern Ireland man, like you understand this. The players who play on the in Northern Ireland and then they come to yeah. like James McLean's an example yeah. and. The, the, the fans of the Republic never give out about that because it's like, oh, well, that's who he wants to play for. And it's like, that's exactly the same with, with Jack Grealish. Ireland came along before England underage did, so he went there. Of course he did. The same way yeah. Northern Ireland would come along. Why, why, why yeah. would he? And, then, and, and that's, that's the, 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 like, the thing as a Northern Ireland fan, like with someone like James McLean, like, I, have no, I have no problem with James McLean because if I grew up with his background, I'd want to play for the Republic. Of course I would. And that's if there's, the sort of, if there's a way for him to do it, it's, it's more the, the system that's the problem. It, it is, yeah. The fact that it's able to sort of happen like that. But um, I think for Grealish now, like, I, was, I mean, I was surprised that he wasn't getting uh, 
a more of a look in earlier um, with England. Like, like there was times at last season where you're looking yeah. at the squad and thinking, how's oh, Grealish not in there? Um, and then obviously he gets in. I think he gets in because of an injury or something um, recently. But yeah. you know, surely he just stays in there now because um, you know the way that he's the way that he's playing this season and just the the, the caliber of football he is. Like there was a lot of. Um, there was loads of love from James Madison last season. I remember um, early in the season. Yeah. And when I watched him, I was thinking, right, okay, yeah, no, he's, he he looks a he looks a good player. He looks a good, a good prospect for them. But when I watched Grealish, I just thought he there was just so much more about Grealish. Um, and and yeah, he's you know he's he's his, his England call ups and and sort of the plaudits he's getting is well deserved. Hopefully, he can stay out of trouble. Is yeah. what I, is what I'd say. <laughs> Look. Uh, that's a good point because like, I would always just think, well, the end product is is fucking brilliant, so it doesn't matter what he's doing in a way. But like that's I suppose bigger clubs like that that's more reflective. Like even if you look at um, Greenwood at the minute now, you know, not being in the United squad, um, him and Foden thrown out of the England squad. Like I I think that the the Southgate thing with Grealish is probably a hangover from the under twenty ones with England, and I, I heard stories of maybe like, Grealish wasn't definitely not as professional around that stage, so maybe Southgate just has his has his card marked in an unfair way because I think he's definitely matured since then. But like you're right, the, the lockdown thing is a good example as well. But like that's that's where as well he needs to be nurtured. You can get away with that in Villa, but like someone like Southgate now needs to be like realizing this guy, whatever you think about him in the pecking order and all, he's completely different to everything I have. And like, he's yeah, a wild the, card. He's a yeah, wild card. Exactly. Like he's, he's, he's a, there's like a bit of magic in him. And that's why I really like about him. But also like there's graft, like there's work in him. Um, and that's that's what like I've I've been dead impressed whenever I have watched Villa, and that's why I was like dead impressed whenever whenever I watched his wallet bus um, because he was just everywhere. And even even in sort of the eighth minute, he's dragging dragging Villa up the left and causing us trouble uh, causing us trouble. And I think you're right in terms of like the the step up. I think Grealish, you can see how Grealish leads at Villa, and it's he leads on the pitch and he leads by example on the pitch. I suppose in the way that Gerard did, like you can see the you can yeah. see the um, you know the links there that uh, the similarities were. Gerard was never the most vocal in the dressing room, and he was. You know, you, you hear stories of that it was Carragher that did a lot of that in the background. Carragher helped them with that. Uh, Gerard's quite shy and reserved, and 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 a and a thinker. He, he overthinks things, and he you yeah. know, uh, and and that sometimes doesn't you know it doesn't shine through in his football. Um, but him as a person, he's he, you know he is very. That's just what he's like, and we know that from interviews and things he said in the past. While but he led by example in the pitch by scoring last-minute winners and dragging Liverpool to victories, and, and Grealish is doing the same thing. And I think with the step up, if Grealish, I don't know what Grealish's plan is, whether he whether he thinks well, I, you know, I think that um, a Villa look as if they're progressing because they do, so he can progress with them, um, or whether it is that he would want to go to a Champions League club or whatever eventually. But I suppose yeah. to do that, the difference is. He can't just lead by example on the pitch because there's there's all of these leaders at Liverpool that when he comes into the dressing room suddenly he's not the tenth leader in the you know in the yeah. in the second order. Um, he needs to be putting it in um, on the training ground and, and staying out of trouble. And um, but I mean, I'd be so excited if we signed him next summer. I don't Craig, 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 I'm going to stop you there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, not, I'll not, I'll not talk about him leaving because, like I said, I like I like the fact that he stayed at Villa and signed a new contract. Where would you play him? Oh, well, let's do it. Where would you play him in the, in the middle three for Liverpool? Or I don't. I, don't, I honestly don't know. I, I, it would have to be the middle three, but um, it would. 
again, it's, it's, it's so difficult with Liverpool because we've just signed Thiago and we haven't, we've only really had him sort of two games, one where he was man of the match against Everton and the other where he came on against Chelsea and we were all just sort of like fawning over him. So <laughs> like, I think it's sort of hard to talk about where another new signing would come in at Liverpool because we haven't seen the midfield that we all want at the minute, which would be um, Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson. So yeah. it's like, well, does Grealish get into that? And like, I mean, loads of people would go, well, Grealish, there's more magic about Grealish than than Jordan Henderson, but like Jordan Henderson's just means so much to Liverpool and the way that he leads us and 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 the work that he does and what he does on the pitch has been so underappreciated. And you wouldn't want to be signing Jack Grealish and then throwing him out on the left or um or or as part of a th- front three because I just don't think you get the best yeah. of Jack Grealish. So I, in short, I don't know. I just don't think he signs for us. I think if he signs for someone, he signs for someone like United. And even then, I wouldn't do that because God help him. Um, <laughs> yeah. they're in at the moment I, I was going to say it'll it'll depend if Villa get out of the group stages of the Champions League next year then he, he might know that they're going somewhere if they don't get out of the group stages of the Champions League then <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah. just finally uh, while well, I have you Craig thanks so much you've been great with your time but uh, Liam has said a couple of times now on the podcast that John McGinn is Scotland's best player do you think that's harsh on Kieran Tierney <laughs> <laughs> um, look, John McGinn. Last season, I was I was well impressed with what I'd seen by John McGinn, and like, I can't I can't say I, I've not watched I've not seen him anywhere near the the amount that I've I've taken a sort of interest in Grealish. Um, but but um, you know, obviously he was massive for us in the the, the season he's come up, and then um, he made the transition to the, to the Premier League like really well. Um, I'm gonna try and answer this question honestly, uh, but I just can't avoid mentioning the the best left back in the world, Anthony <laughs> Robertson. Um, especially after Kieran Tierney, uh, Kieran Tierney, did you see his um, him falling over the ball in the middle of the week? Unbelievable! <laughs> I, I didn't see it during the game. I just saw it going viral afterwards. Like, where the fuck did I miss this? Jesus! Yeah, but the, I, I think I think McGinn's really good. I think like. Um, I just think there's, I mean, I suppose for for Scotland, there's Andy Robertson that plays for Liverpool, and there's Andy Robertson that plays for Scotland. And I know there's a little bit of um, sort of not disagreement, but like um, I, I see quite a bit on online from Scotland fans where you know they don't quite see the same Andy Robertson as they do. Yeah. And when he's playing for Liverpool, but that's because you know they maybe don't have Trent Alexander Arnold spraying passes over <laughs> sixty yards to him and letting him run on to to give it to Sadio Mane in front of him. But, <laughs> uh, but I like I like McGinn as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice answer, uh, Craig Hannon from the Anfield Rap. Thank you very much. You've been brilliant. Thanks very much. And that is all we have time for. Thank you very much for listening to our first non-post-match podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you are enjoying the show, get in touch with us on Twitter at the Villa Podcast. Let us know what you think. If you're enjoying the show in general, then don't be afraid to share it on with another Villa fan who you might think will enjoy it as well. If you couldn't be bothered to do that, that's fine because you know what we have anyway. We've got McGinn. We've got Super John McGinn. I made a balls of that anyway. Have a good time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.